0: Okay, well, hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery Talk with uh, my friend Peter and I'm Rebecca, and we are each going to talk a little bit about maintenance medication programs. Um, uh, I am recording this for my podcast, which is Recover Yourself, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon. Podcasts, um, Amazon Music podcasts, and I think that's and I'll post it on Twitter. So that's it for me.
1: Hey, it's Peter. Oh, let me do this real quick. And hello, it's Peter with uh, Creating Hope Together, the podcast about uh, recovery from uh, addiction, alcoholism, trauma depression. Um, we're going to be talking today with my good friend, Rebecca, about um, maintenance therapy and recovery. And we're going to uh, kind of try to do as deep a dive as we usually do on the subject. And um, my podcast, Creating Hope Together, can be found on the normal platforms, The spotify anchor it'll be on twitter it'll be on my facebook um so please do uh jump on there give it a listen give it a like and uh we really thank you for your support and uh so we're just gonna go ahead and we'll jump off today and we'll kick it right over to rebecca if you'd like to get the ball rolling
0: okay well thank you peter um So I had a really hard time with this. Um, I know several people, loved ones, friends, distant acquaintances um, who are involved in maintenance medication, you know, from people I encounter at work to people I encounter on a daily basis, um, people I never knew were on maintenance meds, people I would never have suspected were on maintenance meds. Um, And it it really challenged me to think about the type of person who would be on maintenance medication, because even though I've been through treatment and I've been through the recovery process, um, there's no one look, there's no one type. And I know that, but there's something that's ingrained, I think in my psyche, maybe my cultural awareness or psyche about what someone who's on maintenance meds looks like or presents as right. So I, I didn't know exactly where to go with how I was feeling. And I was looking at, you know, I was doing some reading and looking into this. And how we how we think of people on maintenance medication is largely influenced by our culture. You know, movies, media, news, broadcasts, you know, I'm thinking of movies like um people. I'm thinking of media representation of people who are in active use of drugs, you know, like um, movies like Barfly. That's a movie that's centered around alcoholics or a movie like The Basketball Diaries, which is Jim Carroll's autobiographical account of his heroin addiction or, you know, a movie like Boys in the Hood, how people who use drugs are portrayed, young high school age People, individuals, and in boys in the hood versus a movie like Dazed and Confused, where it's, you know, about the same age group, but it's a completely different portrayal and um, like ethos around those movies. So I wasn't quite sure exactly how to approach this. Um, you know, I was thinking of different ethno socio economic cultural portrayals, and I'm thinking of how it's mostly from what I've seen or been exposed to, it's mostly a representation of people in active addiction. There's not much that I've been exposed to that show people in recovery. You know, There are journalistic or uh, narratives, kind of like the television show, Dope Sick, that shows people going through addiction into recovery and the struggles of being a personal maintenance medications. Um, We've got the fighter, which is a movie about uh, a boxer who becomes an addict and then recovers. But, you know, outside the majority, you know, drug and alcohol addiction isn't really treated in the recovery or maintenance of sobriety. And in other cultural portrayals of things, you know, deal with medicine, we deal with sickness, illness, disease, we deal with cancer. There's a movie with a dying young with Campbell Scott and Mm -hmm. Julia Roberts. This is a young man who has cancer, he's dying of cancer and Julia Roberts is his hospice nurse, basically, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a movie called One Good Cop, where there's um, a family, a, a couple who takes in their nieces and one of the nieces has diabetes and the young niece teaches her uncle, who's played by Michael Keaton, how to give her her diabetes shot, her insulin shot. So there's more familiarity and thus more acceptance in dealing with quote-unquote traditional diseases as opposed to non-traditional alcoholism, um, substance use or misabuse, things like that. So I wasn't really sure where to go. Um, You know, medical... Medication assisted treatment is, I I think from what I've read, what I've been trying to come to grips with, is a more holistic approach because it's an integrated practice that combines medicine and behavior. It supports both to kind of find, to allow an individual to find a path to function and to maintain sobriety, recovery, whatever term you want to use, right? So. Um, you know, there's different there's different kinds of medication assisted treatments. There's um, for there's different drugs associated with different conditions that you want to treat different diseases, right? So, for alcohol use disorder, there's three different drugs that I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of: acamprostate, disulfiram, and naltrexone for opiate use disorder or substance use disorder, there's buprenorphine, methadone, naltrexone, Um, and there's within the umbrella of substance use disorder or opiate use disorder, there's three different approaches to that, which is opioid detoxification, agonist maintenance, and antagonist maintenance. So there's, there's a lot of nuance within these different programs, um, that help an individual recover, or not recover, maintain recovery, and maintain a semblance of a life that they want. Um, so, that's, that's what I have to start. But also, I would like to note that in my reading, um, I found that for as little as we talk about, maintenance, uh, medication assistance treatment. It's, it's really, it does a disservice to people because we talk about people who are depressed all the time. Like everybody's depressed between 2015 and 2018, 13.2% of adults used SSRIs in a 30 day period. In 2015, there were between 21 and 25% of people involved in substance abuse treatment programs so the numbers are greater for people in terms of being engaged in medication assisted treatments mat's but we don't talk about it and there's you know there's shame and there's there's uh, a tendency to hide and a feeling like you have to continue to live in the shadows even though you're on the road to recovery or you are on the road of recovery. So I just wanted to point that out before, um, I start talking in circles and I'm going to turn it over to Peter.
1: So, okay, that's fantastic information. And you know, as usual for me, once you get, uh, talking, um, it just brings up so much, so many, uh, pieces of information and, so many uh, directions to go, um, and um, if you don't know Rebecca, um, do everything you can to get to know her. And listen to her podcast. Listen to her information because um, she doesn't wing it. She uh, she's going to go in, and she's going to go. Oh, here's this subject. Okay, here's this subject that I'm gonna I'm gonna look at. And then she goes into this subject, and then we, we've, we've said this before about it. It's like, oh, my gosh, uh, I just went down the rabbit hole, right? And so you go down the, the little rabbit hole, and then what happens when you get through the little hole? It becomes this whole thing. <clears throat> and in everything Rebecca had said, she went from uh, film film to recovery, addiction, treatment. And so what she found is how this particular issue and this particular um, topic, maintenance medication, is so intertwined in everything that we do, Um, whether we're in recovery or not in recovery or eventually to get to recovery, uh, it's there, and the reason we I think we don't talk about it is like she said in the shadows, <clears throat> fear, judgment, stigma. But we come right back to stigma, there's a huge stigma about this thing. And so, when I started the research, I did the same thing, I, I was gonna go. This one one way and and really dig in there and look at that and and see where I guess for me, the my pain points when it comes to to the to the maintenance medication. And as usual, it uh, really does a lot of triggering., uh, you'll find a lot of information. So if you're listening to the podcast, google mat addiction treatment um, maintenance assisted treatment and do the research uh, because a lot of folks a lot of smart people have gone in there they've seen it they're they're in the trenches every day they're working on this um what i found was you know okay maintenance assisted treatment or mat mat um Is done by prescription drugs, counseling, it's a behavior therapy, um, supported by uh, the acronym S-A-M-H-S-A, and that's Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, and I found a lot of good information there as well, and um, so where my kind of the, my pain point where I started to look was how does maintenance medication and the 12 steps of recovery, um, whatever form that takes, can they coexist? You know, can, can they, um, is it possible? And um, it's, it is possible. It should be possible. There's no reason it can't be. There are reasons that there are um, some difficult issues, difficult things, awareness about it um, is what I'm finding and hearing and seeing. Um, So the one thing that really struck me was where people are hiding their um, maintenance uh, treatment in 12 step groups uh for fear of of uh being told uh you're not clean now you're not you know this isn't how the program works this isn't how um you, so you're not really clean and it really uh, can tend to push somebody uh the stigma just hits them right in the face and that you know they may never come back and if you never come back and if you never stay on that road um you know, that, that's a loose term, come back. You know, um, you may die. And we were lucky to not die from this, um, from our addiction. Um, <clears throat> so the 12 steps and, you know, and was designed to meet people where they are. Very, it's very simple. Meet people where they are. So somebody comes in uh, that's been drinking, which I've been into hundreds of meetings in my lifetime, and um, people have had alcohol on their breath. And it's like, what do we say to them? Keep coming back. Keep coming back. And I've seen a lot of things. Social media is, it can be a really wonderful thing, um, but it can be also a really cancerous thing thing for people really searching. Um, but the beauty of it is when you see some of this stuff out there, if you keep looking at what's being said, people are, are saying, hey, man, there's, there's a lot of different paths to this recovery to stop using an and addiction. <clears throat> and we've had podcasts in the past. We actually, I think we did two, actually, uh, two different paths to recovery. Um, so meeting people where they are um, as a, as a, as somebody that is, you know, regular at meetings, reads the book, does the process uh, for them to actually say anything negative or anything prejudicial about maintenance medications to someone else is Horrible. It's deplorable. It makes absolutely zero sense. It's not in the book. Actually, it's in the book. And it tells us that the only requirement for this membership to a better way, to goodness, to happiness, to a chance to finally actually not be striving to get that drug or not be striving to get that fix and how limited your day is. What it gives that person a, an opportunity to do is have a have they have one choice, use. And all that comes with it. What it the recovery process can do and does do is it gives them all of a sudden one more choice right at the beginning and that's hope. Okay. And for somebody inside it to to go out and lash out or say you're not really in recovery or you're not really clean is, you know, and I'm going to just say it, it's total bullshit. And it really, you know, that's a pain point for me, simply because maintenance addiction or addiction was our first attempt at maintenance medication. Preach.
0: (laughs) It was, it was, it was our first attempt at like normalizing ourselves in, in the culture. Right.
1: Right. Right. And then, you know, it grew because without its, without its checks and balances, without its processes, look what happens to us. Look what happened to us. Look at the stories we have to say about it. And, um, so I, I did a a little bit of, of, uh, reading and, um, the, uh, And in the in the book, it really says you know you can read. And my my go to is the basic text of of NA. I, that's just what I, I just love it. Um, the title says it all. It just says the only requirement is a desire to stop using, a desire to stop using. It doesn't say the only requirement is that you're totally clean and never use again inside the rooms of na or it doesn't it says the same thing in a the only requirement for membership is a desire um to to where um so i'm just i'm not gonna go ahead and (laughs) and preach on that but i'm telling you it's in the literature and if you read the literature and you're going by the literature and you're living by the literature the steps which are gold the traditions which are gold the stories that are told which are gold millions of people have have, um benefited from this that you can directly number i guess you know Mm -hmm. yeah what about the folks that aren't counted that benefited from it as well? So, I mean, these numbers that they're throwing out, oh, 2 million, that's, it's not, that's such a low number, right? Yeah. So for us to come against somebody and say, you know what, you're on Suboxone and you're dirty, you're not clean, is totally wrong because the the key thing For me is and i was kind of afraid to to say it um and i'm not sure why but the ultimate goal of maintenance medications should be and needs to be for me is that you no longer need to use that particular drug uh any anymore Mm -hmm. that's the goal yeah and it can be achievable but That's got to be the goal. Um, Then there's things about the 12 step program how over the years it's kind of uh, slow, been slow to um, modify and change uh, verbiage and change some of the ways, which is a good thing because then you're not going back and forth and back and forth. And as a huge community, it takes, they always take group input from all groups, so it, it does take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, the biggest thing that's happened to the 12-step program and to the whole community as a whole, the whole addiction and recovery process as a whole, the whole industry as a whole was the op- opioid epidemic. It changed everything. Again, this is just my opinion. And it changed everything. Because you didn't go to the doctor, maybe way back when, but you didn't go to the doctor and say, you know what? I slipped and fell on the ice over here. My back hurts. He says, hey, you know what? Let me give you some cocaine for that. I'll prescribe some cocaine. Or actually, let me give you some syringes over here and go to the pharmacy and let's get you some heroin. Oh, you're tired you're you need some energy. Let me you know give you some uh, crystal meth, and that that should help you. You don't get a prescription for that for those street drugs. And then all of a sudden, you go in for the same thing. hey, I slipped and fell on the ice, and then you get a prescription from a doctor that's examined you and checked you out, and they said, "Hey, here's some oxy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, great, thank you. And you take it and you're like, oh, wow, you know, that's fantastic. That feels that my back doesn't hurt anymore. And that's the major difference that it was the way it was introduced. And then it's, a, you know, high addiction thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it changed it, really everything for the industry. and. Yeah. I think the 12 steps, you know, are, are are moving along, coming along and, um, but they're slow to, to change and hopefully it's not causing some folks out there to, um, to miss it and die from it, um, from not being accepted or being judged. Um, and people have to know. That if it's the one person or one person comes up or two person two people come up, three people come say something or say something in a meeting that comes up against the maintenance med thing, um, it's just their opinion. It's not the 12-step programs, AANA, any of it. It's not the norm. It's not the... Um, etched in stone rule or philosophy or anything like that so just understand that that it's just one person's at that moment's personal opinion and it's wrong you know but it's their opinion but they're wrong to say you're um doing this and you're really not clean because maintenance medication is a medical thing and it's um an outside issue actually Outside of the traditions of Narcotics Anonymous, as I know it, <clears throat> so we have to reserve, you know, the judgment on that. So um, the you were talking. What did I? <laughs> oh, we were talking about you. You were talking about traditional treatment for things. And, um, it's like, okay who's whose tradition? You know, the medical yeah. industry, the pharmaceutical industries uh, who's whose tradition is it? Well, we as people, um have probably really changed the industry as well because of our needs have changed so drastically. Mm-hmm. and um so traditions in you know, with the medical maintenance, therapy um it's an ever-changing thing and um i'm grateful for it because then i'm gonna wrap up here real quick i don't want to uh ramble too much but um then i looked at in my rabbit hole well what does that mean because i suffer from anxiety and depression bipolar so do the medication, does the medication that I take to save me from that count as well? Am I not clean now? You know, so where do we draw the line? Where do, where do we uh, go from here? Well, where I think we should go is we should be able to coexist in the process for everyone because it's already written down in the book. So... I'll just pass it back to you and see what uh if you want to run from there.
0: Um well, okay. So, a lot of good points. I tried to write down as much as I could. Um so one thing that you one of the last things you said about taking your medication for bipolar anxiety. Um does that make you not clean, right? And but I, and I'm thinking of you know, we have a lot of addictions that aren't termed or treated as addictions, tobacco, coffee, chocolate, sugar, you know, sugar addictions, you know, porn technology, all these things, porn and technology are kind of treated as addictions. But anyway, when I was in treatment, um, You know, one of the things that helped me get through treatment and maintain sobriety when I left treatment was smoking. I smoked for several years and then I quit for several years. And then when I started this sobriety thing, I started smoking again because I needed something. I needed a, you know, alcohol was a self-defense, self-preservation mechanism for me. And I needed smoking to have something to protect myself when I was walking or about to walk into a room full of people I didn't know. You know, it's kind of like I have something on my side. Um, what about coffee? I go everywhere with a cup of coffee. I always have coffee with me. It's it's a safety blanket. It's a safety net. It's, a, it's something that helps me get through my day. Um, is that an addiction? Does that make me ineligible for AA? I, I don't know. Um, you know all these different things, but uh, one one of the things that you know it's it's they're non traditional, I guess, in terms of addiction, whatever. But medic M A T is is not. Is not traditional when you think of you know like insulin for diabetics, but it's it's as life saving um, for people. Um, it's just not accessible to a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, I think, like we mentioned in one of our earlier discussions, you know, forty one percent, forty five percent, somewhere in there of healthcare workers look unfavorable favorably at people presenting who are substance users. They think they're just out trying to score, substitute one drug for another. Well, they're just trying to survive. It's like, you know, a diabetic needs insulin. Somebody who has an opioid dependency needs something to maintain their sobriety. And I think that the stigma and shame associated with presenting and knowing that people are gonna look at you as scans, is debilitating and limits a lot of potential recovery for people and also you know it's expensive it's really expensive for as expensive as you know diabetic medic insulin is for people suboxone if you if you try to get it from a provider it's very expensive it is not a, it is not easy to come by or cheap it's several hundred dollars i just i don't know how how the system expects people to recover stay recovered and be productive if they're priced out of it you know and it it affects it affects everyone addiction doesn't have a type you know addiction doesn't have a type it it gets everybody and we just have to we just i mean i'm so frustrated by the fact that we don't see how vulnerable we are as human beings and and just and just just uh, intentionally place people outside the realm of prosperity. I mean we intentionally the system is set up to exclude people and it's 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 disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. I remember when I was when I was a kid, a kid like 15, 16 years old, you know, and I saw Annie Hall for the first time. And there's that sequence where Alvy's remembering his uh, his uh, elementary school classmates, and the one says, "You know, I used to be a heroin addict, and now I'm a methadone addict." I had no idea what methadone was at the time, um, and now looking back at that, and just the questionable things about Woody Allen himself. But that's a really, really spurious presentation. You know, to say, I used to be a heroin addict, now I'm a methadone addict. No, you're not a methadone addict. You are a survivor using methadone to manage your disease. Um, And I I really, it really frustrates me from the perspective of of the 12 steps and MAT, thinking that taking a medicine that is uh, to treat addiction is kind of delimited, like, you're right, Peter, you know, the only requirement is the desire. The only requirement is the desire. And if anybody has expressed that desire, it's somebody who's enrolled in an MAT program, you know, that is a person who is committed to putting themselves to the rigorous schedule of going to a methadone clinic every morning at six o'clock in the morning to get their dose, or going to whatever clinic to get a shot of whatever it is, you know, right. it's just there's no <clears throat> how how hard it is to live within the structure of addiction and the structure of recovery because that's a structure as well. And I think that um it's just really sad to see. You know, I I you know we're here, I think you said you said this in relation to something else, but I think we still have to unmask the masked here, you know? like people in MAT programs or even thinking about MAT programs should be proud of the decision that they've made and should be proud of the progress that they've made to get to that point.
1: So, um, right. yeah. And it's, and it's like every every single addict, alcoholic that have come in with that desire have been standing on the outside looking in every single one of us and then when we get in we can tend because we're human beings tend to say yeah this is a really exclusive club now and i'm going to take some of those things from that might not be the healthiest in my past and uh, use these words these steps these traditions these stories and things like that, you know, as a, as a weapon, you know, this stuff becomes weaponized. And um, we, uh, people have to know that um, we're going to encounter many things on the road to recovery. And the biggest thing that, that that we encounter on that road is others is other people. Um, Just like we encountered people in our active addiction. Um, These are, good people they they're working their own program their own process um so you can't necessarily take what they're coming at you with um without actually doing the research on it and Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to tell you something and you're going to say well this is this whole program is bs no get the book do the research read it see what it says that particular person might have been having a horrible day that day and things like that and we just got to remove that that stigma from <clears throat> not only uh applying stigma to someone and holding on to those stigmas uh against others um but we really have to be on guard against accepting the stigma and saying oh you're stigmatizing me. Ah, I'll take it, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I am unworthy. I am worthless. So we have to do our our own battle against that as well. Um, I wrote down. I jotted down the intro page, <clears throat> um, and there's a, a quick paragraph <clears throat> that I wrote down, and it says. You know, we come to the 12-step program by various means and believe that our common denominator is that we fail to come to terms with our addiction. Because a variety of addicts found within our fellowship, we approach the solution contained within this book in general terms. We pray that we have been searching and thorough so that every addict who reads this volume will find hope, um that we have found. And there it was. What have they found? Hope, another mm-hmm. choice. So we worked this program in, in a variety of different ways. And I remember when I first went, uh, had to go on uh, depression medication a long, long time ago, there was a lady, and uh, her name was uh, Carmela. And um, I told her about it, and she put her hands on my hands, and she says, I, I'll never forget it. She says, honey, this program says, says we stay clean by whatever means necessary. So if we're not out there drug-seeking, drug-buying, doing those illicit street drugs, um, we're clean. We're sober. We're in it. Um, and um that saved me, I think. That really truly saved me because I I honestly I was, you know, ready to go. I had the had it ready to go. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna be around very much longer. And that helped me because I reached out to that person. I could only imagine what she would have if she would have said something different, if she would have yeah. judged it. You know, eh, that's taking drugs. Um, now, for somebody that says, you know what, I'm not going to take pain medication for a surgery or I'm not going to take this for this particular thing. Hey, OK, more power to you. That's great. I, I applaud you for that. Um, but you can't put that on someone else. Um, you cannot put the same standard on someone else. Um. so let's see
0: yeah i mean you know people who are involved in mat programs you know survival's up retention and treatment's up um employment rates go up um, birth outcomes you know family structures everything improves we all need help we all need a little you know, a little leg up every once in a while, and I, I just don't understand why it's so disdained. If a person has a disease, you get medicine for that disease.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's you know, so it's a, for me, it's a really good subject because it's something that I've seen, and um, I think one of the last things when we just said it, you know, uh, the treatment for. The things we do to treat this addiction are 20 fold, 100 fold. There's so many different ways. There's so many different things that um, we can do to treat this thing, treat this disease. Um, and if you're in a situation, <clears throat> um, In a uh, car wreck or you see somebody that has fallen or you see that somebody that needs help and you just walk by, you don't help, you don't help somebody up or you don't help somebody in an accident or you don't help treat that person, Um, then that's you. That's on you and um whether it's out in public or out in the world or if it's in a meeting uh you're there for your recovery and to help you and make you better but again in the book we can only have we can only keep what we have by giving it away and by uh helping somebody is the greatest gift but by trying to turn somebody away is just like walking away from somebody that has just fallen or just been in an accident it's just it's pretty sad so um but it can coexist and i think the 12-step programs are doing as much as they possibly can with the way the structure is and i mean there's absolutely nothing wrong with them um not jumping on board or Jumping in there and saying, hey, in a couple of weeks, we're going to change, you know, some of the things that we do or some of the things that we say or a tradition or a step or whatever um, just doesn't work that way. It's simply it just doesn't work that way. And it shouldn't work that way because um, quick change like that can lead to even more difficulties for someone else that isn't on, you know, maintenance med. So it's it's a pretty fine line a lot of times um but do your own research and stay strong in your own process and from this recovering addict um it's okay to be on maintenance medication it's keeping you alive um strive to make sure that the goal is ultimately is to get past it and get off it and if that's not the goal and you're starting to do the seek behavior and you're trying to stay in it on purpose, then there's a problem for you that, you know, you need to continue addressing. It's not a free pass. It still takes a lot of work and there's a lot of work ahead, even though you're on. It's a program. It's not a necessarily a lifelong program, maybe for some. They, you know, switch different things, but we were talking about it as, you know, yeah, you know, we initially unmasked the addiction and then, you know, in the beginning, we're taking A, B, C, D, that the things right in front of us that we have to deal with. And then as recovery happens and time goes by, other issues come up, depression, anxiety, mental health issues behavioral problems, all those kind of things, you know, are there. That's why we use maintenance meds in the very beginning to try to treat those things on our own. So yeah, it's such a great topic. Well,
0: thank you for all of your input. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's just, how do, how does someone deal with, recovery from maintenance medication, I mean, because that's, that's, that's another hurdle, right?
1: Yeah. I think the, within the program itself, from what I've understood is that, um, you know, a maintenance program, maintenance med program is something that is designed to, you know, whatever, take you from whatever, 30 milligrams down to 20, down to 10, down to zero, you know, to where ultimately, you know, you're not going to need it anymore. And that's what you want as well. That's what every, every uh, addict, no matter what your drug of choice was, that's what every addict wants. And um, so stay on your program. And I think these programs, you know, they're designed to not be lifelong programs, Um, maybe sometimes they will have to be, but I doubt these suboxone and methadone are uh, any real, uh, answer for long-term health, long-term process. Um, you know, very, they're very hard on still very hard on your body. And, and, uh, I believe it's just a process of working your way through it. So you don't, simply go cold turkey and
0: and you're left with that feeling of oh my god what do I do now
1: and you might not survive it yeah physically you more than likely will not survive it and um whether uh and you know psycholog then the psychological part comes into it and oh my gosh. Um so it's just a matter of staying on the program, following the program and its detail and just simply do your best that you can do so i think but ultimately the design of it is to get you off it yeah
0: we're all in the process of recovering from something you know whether it's abuse our abuse abuse to us you know trauma recovering from stigma associated with who we are i mean there's just so many different traumas, experiences out there from which we have to recover that we just have to remember to be kind to each other. You never know where another person is coming from. You never know what another person has been through or is dealing with in the present. And I think if we keep that in mind and we don't stick to any particular dogma, like the dogma of the 12 steps or the dogma of of anything, you know, if we're not too rigorous, if we just allow that to to flex and be open I think we can all support each other and move forward together.
1: I think it's yeah. really, yeah. And you know, for my closing statements, you know, I it, this this is you know, I never wanted this to be an indictment on the twelve step programs because it simply, you know, it saved my life and it saves my life, you know, every single day. Um, it's an indictment on on us, on us as people and uh, how we treat others how we uh i guess interpret that book um sometimes the book is left with uh no interpretation whatsoever a desire to stop using there's only really one way to to do to interpret that you know this person's here at this meeting so they have a desire or else they wouldn't be here yeah. so <clears throat> um not an indictment on programs, MAT program, maintenance drugs, maintenance assisted treatment, um, mental health treatment drugs, 12 steps, not an indictment on any of these great processes. It's just, uh, it's about us and how we treat others, particularly in this uh, window, in this addiction treatment recovery, window uh, it's very important that we pay attention to what we're doing and what we're saying to others particularly the newcomer
0: yeah yeah definitely so anyone out there listening if you have any questions interests um commiserations just anything at all you can reach out to peter at creating hope together or you can reach out to me um you might recover yourself my twitter handle is at calamity reeves and Peter, your Twitter handle is
1: creating hope two t o one. The number one, creating hope t o one. And for those that have listened to this, um, kind of look for us on Twitter. We uh, also make announcements to do a. Uh, we have a upcoming um, interaction on Twitter Live, where you can join in. You can. Be part of the conversation uh, we're very excited about that we've done a couple of those already and um, so we have another one of those coming up And more of that information will be revealed on our uh twitter pages and we'll put it out there on social media so
0: okay well thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful day night evening weekend week have the time of your lives
1: Take care.